This is Locally Entertaining, and I'm your host, Joanne Bailey Borsma. This summer, the Grand Rapids Symphony has a very special anniversary they're marking. It's the 25th anniversary of its very popular DNW Fresh Picnic Market Picnic Pops. I always mess that up. Sorry, guys. Um, with us today is Grand Rapids Symphony Associate Conductor John Verano and Media Relations Senior Manager of Communication and Media Relations Jeff Kazmarzek. Welcome, guys. I'm hey. sorry about the name. So <laughs> That's quite all right. I, it's always, ever since it's been that, it's always been a tongue twister for me. So I, I don't know what it is. I just can't always get all those words But out. you made it through Verano, okay, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah, well, Verano, I don't know. French names I'm good at. <laughs> Most people stumble over that. So, so yeah. So. Around here, we can just say it's not Dutch. Okay, that's, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So, that's true. That's true. So 25 years, picnic. Pops. 25 years, that's right. And I, I've been at every single one of them. I was at the first one, and I've been at every single concert for the past 25 years. Well, see, now I remember, and Jeff, you were you were there too. You remember huddling down over at Cannonsburg 25 years ago, 1995? I remember. And yes. we were like, why are we here? <laughs> and then we see these like little dots coming down the hill, and somebody goes, oh, that's that's John and Catherine, Catherine Comey. That's right. Coming down the hill, the ski hill. Right, you're and referring we were, to the announcement in March or so. Yeah. Uh, and we were all like, why are we here? <laughs> <laughs> it was something yeah. of a surprise. So, so. Who knew Catherine skied? Right. Yeah. I knew John skied. Yeah. So, how did that come about? I mean, that, that whole announcement and the whole concept of bringing Picnic Pops to Grand Rapids. Well, so before we had a Picnic Pops, uh, the Grand Rapids Symphony had a season that was about 36 weeks long. We went from the middle of September uh, up to the middle of May. And there was a desire to have the musicians work more, to present more concerts in Grand Rapids. And then the question is, well, when you do that, when you extend your season, how are you going to do that? Are you going to have more concerts in the hall at the DeVos Performance Hall? What are you going to do? And uh, most orchestras, from the New York Philharmonic to the Cleveland, uh, to the Cleveland Symphony, Chicago Symphony, when they extended their seasons, they did it by doing some sort of outdoor concerts. So the Cleveland Symphony Orchestra goes to Blossom Music Festival, and uh, there's Grant Park in uh, Chicago, um, and there's a Saratoga in New York. And so these, these orchestras have a summer season by doing something outdoors. So we thought, well, let's, let's do something outdoors. Well, the problem is we didn't have a venue like some of these other orchestras, so we had to look around to find one. We And um, uh, our uh, orchestra manager at the time, Stacy Reidenauer, spent actually a couple of years looking at various places that we could go to do a, a series of outdoor concerts. We could do it downtown Grand Rapids, but one of the important things if you have a ticketed event is that you need to manage, you, you have to have an entrance, you know? Mm. So we had played down... Um, on the river in front of the uh, Gerald Ford Museum for several July 4th concerts. Uh, but that's just, you know, everybody come and everybody show up. But if you're going to have a ticketed event, then you have to somehow have, have uh, uh, control over people coming in and out. So we looked at things on the lakeshore. Uh, we looked at various venues, and um, we settled on a Cannonsburg ski area. Well, it was a ski area, and there's, you know, there was nothing there for us, so we had to go and actually purchase a, uh, an overhead shell for us and bring in the staging. And um, there, are, there are 
other orchestras that have summer seasons at ski areas. It's kind of a natural amphitheater sort of thing because people can sit on the ski slope. So we settled on Cannesburg, um, and um, we've been there ever since. Actually, there was some resistance initially um, because um, the residents out there in Cannesburg thought that we would be, you know, really kind of polluting the airwaves mm -hmm. and really uh, messing things up those peaceful summer nights. And we assured them that it, this, you know, it's just four concerts, and we wouldn't we wouldn't be there all year. And so, uh, so we got that through the township, uh, the zoning, and uh, we've been there ever since. It's been a great it's been a great thing. Mm -hmm. And I have to, you know, that's. Considering you know, the, the the finances of the symphony, I guess, are, are not infinite, and that was a big purchase to buy all of that. It was a go. big thing. We got we got founding the Grand Rapids uh, Foundation mm -hmm. helped us with the with the shell overhead, but in addition to that, the interesting thing is is that the, the musicians, of course, wanted an extended season because uh, it meant more weeks of pay. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, it was a, it was actually a really really big leap for the Grand Rapids Symphony 25 years ago to do that because we were, it was a big financial commitment and it's, it's the sort of thing where we said, well, if we're gonna start this, we have to keep it going. You know, mm -hmm. it's not just gonna be a one-off sort of thing. And so we started it and, um, and it's, it's been going for 25 years. It's been an important part of what we do. Mm. So first season, first concert, were you guys amazed? We were amazed, and uh, we, we <laughs> Jeff, Jeff and I both. I mean, I was like, "How many cars?" Yeah. <laughs> that was a real surprise. As a matter of fact, that first concert, um, I remember being stuck on uh, West River Drive, you know, <laughs> many miles away from the concert. I'm going, "Hey, wait! This traffic jam is for us." <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this is a good thing, you know. We have people lined up for miles to go to a classical concert. This is a good thing. Yeah, and uh, a couple of other early concerts. Uh, the, the time we had the Temptations there, man, oh man, that was, that felt like a, that felt like Woodstock almost, you know, with, mm -hmm. with all of the people there. That was really very, very exciting. Mm -hmm. And then, then over the years, uh, it's kind of shaken out so that people know the back routes to get there. Uh, I can tell the I can tell the folks here that the way I normally come is that I I overshoot. I take another way to get to uh, Honey Creek, and I come I come to Cannonsburg from the reverse. Mm -hmm. Get right in. Mm -hmm. I can't let too many people know that. Otherwise, <laughs> it mess it up for me. You just giving it away. <laughs> well, and Jeff, at the time you were actually an arts entertainment reporter with the um, Grand Rapids Press. Yes. Yes, and. Um, you know, what was your initial reaction when you heard that the symphony was going to do this Picnic Pops series? Well, I was, uh, I was surprised. I mean, I'm from the Detroit area, and I'm familiar with the Detroit Symphony in Meadowbrook. And as John said, there are other orchestras that do summer series, but it's still an unusual thing. It's not, it's not a natural environment for a symphony orchestra. And it, it, it takes some uh, adjusting. Uh, you know, for instance, you have to have a, a wonderful sound system because for a short distance, you can hear the, or you can hear the orchestra in an acoustic setting, but if you're further back, uh, you need the microphones and the amplifiers. So it, it's, it struck me as something that was, as John said, a bit of a risk. You know, if you build it, you don't necessarily know if they'll come. Uh, 
but over the years, one thing is that I've been fascinated by is I have met quite a few people who are regular symphony goers who have never been to Cannonsburg. Conversely, I have met people who come year after year after year to the picnic pops and have never been to DeVos Hall to hear the symphony. So one of the one of the uh, things that this has accomplished is it not only has given the musicians four more weeks of work and um, um, more revenue for the organization, but it's introduced the orchestra to new audiences that might not otherwise have come. Um, so I thought it I thought it was going to be a risk, but the audiences turned out. And uh, you know, one of the reasons that's that's the case. You know, this 25 years ago. This was the year before Van Andel Arena opened. Mm-hmm. It was it was just a couple of months after Meyer Gardens opened. Period. It opened in April of '95. It was ma- it would be many years before they would have an amphitheater of their own. So there were very few opportunities for outdoor concerts in West Michigan, unless you went to county fairs. So the Grand Rapids Symphony came along with this at the right time in in the right place with uh, the with the right format. And the audiences in the first years were, were, were incredible. They really were. The, the concert John mentioned with the Temptations in 1998, that had like 7,000 people one night and 5,000 the second, 12,000. It was just incredible. That's the nice thing about doing a concert at a ski area. You never run out of room. Right. You, know? you just keep <laughs> oh, yeah. going further up the hill. Mm-hmm. You know, the interesting thing Jeff was talking about, the, the, the things that we had to do at that first concert, you know, we needed a shell, and, and he said we needed a good sound system. It's interesting, you know, sound travels through air at a certain rate, mm-hmm. all right? And it turns out that if you have speakers down at the front of the stage, that's good, but if you have speakers up the hill, those speakers have to be aligned with what's down at the bottom, otherwise you get a terrible echo. Mm-hmm. It's just... It, the, the, the things that you don't think about when you give these concerts. Here's another example. We always do 1812 Overture uh, at our classical fireworks. We've got these great fireworks for our first concert. And everybody knows that there are cannons that go off for the classical <laughs> fireworks. That's great. We use, we use um, uh, big, big firecrackers for that. And I'm the guy that sets those off. Okay, that's fine. But I'm sitting a long way away from the orchestra. So I kind of have to approximate. Now, let's see. Sound travels at so many thousand feet per second. And I'm how many thousand feet away from the orchestra? So I'm hearing them late. And then the people are going to hear the cannon shots late. So how many seconds ahead of time do I have to set this thing off? It's never exact, but, you know. I would honestly have been to that concert several times and I don't think you've ever really missed it the few times that I've I'm glad time. you think that <laughs> Joanne it seemed Just like it keep bam and it was like here it comes uh, that's and, right. yeah, and we're all like wow and it's yeah, yeah it's yeah, yeah well I, I won't let you into the secret but <laughs> so, well it's interesting from my personal perspective when you announced it I was actually really really excited because I had worked in North Carolina I'd interned and done some work at a newspaper there, and that was a big thing I mean, during the summer. Everybody went to listen to the the orchestra because they had this summer outdoor concert. So I thought, mm-hmm. wow, Grand Rapids is going to be like Boston Pops. Right, <laughs> you know, exactly. And have all that, right. yeah. that concert. But, you know, 25 years later now, as Jeff mentioned, we do have 
the Meyer Gardens in their amphitheater. And we do have a lot of individual cities like the cities of Wyoming and Kent would both have their own little free concerts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot more going on in the city, yet people still come. Yeah, it's it's a different environment. It's uh, we certainly we we have competition. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that, and that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. It keeps us keeps us on our toes. Keeps everybody <laughs> on our toes, and um, I I just think that. Well, I'm proud of the fact that the Grand Rapids Symphony was at the beginning of something very big here in the Grand Rapids area. That uh, that we were kind of the seed uh, that got a lot of really great summertime uh, entertain- entertainment going. Mm-hmm. It's been really cool. Well, and that's that's what I was kind of trying to allude to too, as well as, as a lot of people said that they probably wouldn't have gone forward if the symphony hadn't done it first. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I think we did demonstrate that there was an audience out there for that sort of thing, and yeah, so that's really, it's, a, it's big, mm-hmm. it's big. So, so do you guys have any type of um, favorite concerts? Do you have any favorite oh, memories? Well, I have twenty-five. Lots, so, you know. I have lots of favorite <laughs> memories. So, so one of them. Um, Early on, we took we we programmed something that I just thought nobody was going to come here. I mean, we brought in a harpist. Mm. And oh my gosh, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> you guess, but can you imagine people thinking, "What you're bringing in a harp player for an outdoor concert? What what is that's going to be a huge flop?" But we did it uh, based upon the recommendation of our harpist Maria Royce Hesse. She said, boy, if you bring this person in, the people will flip. So we brought her in, and, and I was skeptical. I was skeptical. But, Joanne, I've, the musicians in the Grand Rapids Symphony have heard it all. Mm-hmm. And when she started playing, our percussionists were standing in the back. They were slack-jawed. They had never heard anything like this in there. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And... So that was the start of something really big for us because uh, Deborah Henson Conant fell in love with the orchestra. We fell in love with her. She came back several times. We did a great big DVD. It was nominated for a Grammy. And that all got started at the Picnic Pops. Mm-hmm. Here's, a, here's another concert. I was, uh, we were doing a, a concert uh, with Simon Garf- uh, Art Garfunkel. Art Gar- Art Garfunkel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was conducting that concert. And... Um, I got there for the rehearsal, and I was up on the podium looking through the music before the con- before the rehearsal started. And this scruffy guy came up. He had a baseball cap coming up, and he comes up to me and goes, <laughs> "Hi," and I go, "Hello." And he goes, uh, "What's happening here?" And I said, "Oh, well, we're giving a concert with Art Garfunkel." And uh, he goes, "Oh, really? What are you guys playing?" <laughs> and so I I said, "Well, we're playing this, this, and this, and you know," and and he and uh, he goes, "Oh, that's cool." He walks away. This guy looked like a stagehand, all right? Mm-hmm. He walks away, and I'm going, wait a minute. <laughs> that was Art Garfunkel. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had a baseball cap. All of that frizzy hair was contained under the base, and he was unshaven and everything. And so uh, that was just really weird. You know, Wait a minute. I just, I just talked with Art Garfunkel, and I didn't even know who he was, mm-hmm. and I just told him what he's singing this summer. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. Um, you know, what's remarkable is that 25 years we've had very, very few rainy concerts, but occasionally you would have one, and it was just so interesting to end a piece and not hear any applause because everybody's holding an umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, so, but anyway, that was. Uh, I was at that concert last year. I was actually telling Jeff about it. It was really interesting, and it was, it's fun sometimes to go to the ones that it's kind of going to rain a little or something. Yeah. People are, like, really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, they're dancing in rain ponchos. Yeah. And they're still having a good time. I mean, we're they, all in this together. Yeah, sort of we're thing. all in this together. Woodstock you, again. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of along that lines. It's always and then I see it from an audience. I mean, I've sat at the tables, I've sat in the lawn, I've sat in the chairs, I've sat everywhere, and it's no matter where you sit, you always it's always an experience. It's, it's always, always an experience. Fun. Yeah, and people are are really into it. I just think that we've got this big musical party going on and People are enjoying it, and and when you when you think about what we've brought there, we we brought in Winona, we've brought in Led uh, a Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. uh, uh, tribute group, mm-hmm. we've had the Beatle a Beatle tribute group, uh, we've brought in an ABBA tribute group. Mm-hmm. I always credit a couple times. <laughs> I yeah. credit the Grand Rapids Symphony as starting the entire ABBA craze because oh, okay. it was like yeah no because it was like Mamma Mia and all this other stuff came around and I'm like yeah you yeah you guys were like right on that forefront of that it just because that knowing of that it was so popular and it coming in and and those I think were the longest lines I've ever experienced yeah. coming mm-hmm. in or out of the picnic pops so yeah just uh, so we've had a wide variety wide variety of audiences boy we brought in three dog night the, yeah or mm-hmm. two of the three dog night two thirds of three dog night <laughs> <laughs> And I think three fifths of the temptations. Three fifths of the temptations, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's just been it's uh, just looking back on the history. It's been really fun to mm-hmm. to see what we brought out there. Well, and you guys haven't been afraid to do different things. I mean, you haven't been afraid to try something different. Yeah, try a harpist. Um, bring in a bring in a an unknown clarinetist. His name was Ken Popleski Popleski oh, yes. to do a Benny Goodman tribute. Well, that guy was just fabulous. He was, mm-hmm. you know. And then some big names as well as Doc Severinsen came in. And mm-hmm. Twice. Twice. And so it was really, yeah, really cool. Mm-hmm. So. The interesting thing is that um, when we started the Picnic Pops, uh, Catherine Comey was our music director at the time, and she, she really didn't want it to be too popsy. So on that very first concert, we um, played an entire Tchaikovsky symphony, all 50 minutes of it. And uh, that was a little bit too much for an outdoor audience. So we shortened things up after that. Right. One of, one of the challenges with the outdoors, if you, if you have a piece with long stretches of pianissimo, mm. the audience starts losing it. Yeah. And honestly so, it's, it's, it, it's just hard to hear. Um, so uh, on the other side of the coin, you know, 1812, cannons, um, people love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, and as John said, the fireworks has been a mainstay of, of the picnic pop since the beginning. There there is, is it has sometimes been the first concert, sometimes been the last concert, and anywhere in between. But there always has been one uh, one classical fireworks of of one sort. Now or I did another. not realize that. I mm-hmm. always thought it was the first. I, I don't know why. No, there are a couple of times where we put it second and put it third, mm-hmm. and and I I can't remember. Well, sometimes that was. The determining factor was that a, a big group or a big name that we were bringing in, the only available date was our first date. So mm-hmm. we gave it to them and put our classical fireworks second or third. Which totally makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you got to work with contracts as much as you right. can. Yeah. And stuff. So that I understand it. So, 
So, um, so this year though, the it is the classic it fireworks is, is first, the first one. It's the first right. July eleventh, yeah. and we're bringing back Rich Ridenour, who played Rhapsody in Blue on our first concert twenty five years ago. And Rich Ridenour is a homegrown boy, mm-hmm. and he's coming back to do Rhapsody in Blue with us again. Also, a movement from Gershwin's Concerto in F. So we're bringing him back for that. Of course, we're going to be doing eighteen twelve on our classical fireworks and some other sorts of patriotic American music, music of John Williams, born on the 4th of July, American salute, that sort of thing. So that's our first concert, uh, mm-hmm. July 11th and 12th, out, out on the ski. Now, I, I have to talk to our management about this. Who's going to set off the fireworks? Because oh, I'm conducting. Question. You're conducting? Yeah. Well, you can run back. <laughs> oh my gosh. The orchestra knows it well enough they can play it without me, I think. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. so that yeah. So who's gonna who's gonna figure all that? I don't know. I'll have to train out. I'll have to train somebody, train my replacement, I guess. Let them in on the secret. To push the button and to push the read button. the score and yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe you can get an intern, right, Jeff? Well, uh, maybe. <laughs> I think we're gonna need a percussionist because timing is everything. It's so. really interesting to be so close to fireworks. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm right there, and that is that is an experience. You know, mm-hmm. you have to put on the flak jacket and everything. It's really fun, mm-hmm. right. loud. So basically, do you just hit a button and then it's all set up for you? To, it just goes off on its own. No, I have to hit a button for each of the sixteen cannons. Oh, so wow. there, it's just a little switch, electronic switch. Wow. Yeah. Huh. The rest of the fireworks, I have no idea. Right, the how fireworks, it. they run themselves. Oh, okay. <laughs> or, well, kind I mean, of their crew. Them. Yeah, yeah, the crew runs itself. Uh, so. Right. So, Jeff, I was going to ask you, because you've been to pretty much every single one. I've tried to count. I There have been, uh, up to now, 98 separate programs. Mm-hmm. And so the, so the second week of this season will be the 100th. I think I've been to somewhere in the low 90s. Mm-hmm. I have not been to every single one mm-hmm. but I've, I've seen a lot so do you have a favorite at all do you have something that you just oh with? several uh, several favorites several memories i mean john uh, pointed out uh, deborah henson conant that was a favorite of mine and and what i remember about that is the weather was a little iffy it was the first concert of the of the picnic pops and at that point in time it was one of the smallest audiences in picnic pops history but Yet she was magnificent, yeah. and we brought her back and, and did the album and the whole nine yards. So you never know. I thought the, it was the first her first concert was small, but because of the mm-hmm. word of mouth, her it, second concert yeah. actually did pretty the well. The second yeah. night, probably. I was there the first <laughs> night, yeah. uh, and I don't remember the. Second I was night. there at the first night too because I was so excited. Yeah, and uh, and John mentioned the Art Garfunkel. That was one that was rain mm-hmm. on and off and on and off, and the umbrellas were up and down and up and down. So that was that was a fascinating experience. Uh, some of my favorites are some of the ones I remember the most. The first season, there was a concert that had a baseball theme. Oh. And, we, and we had Detroit Tigers uh, legendary Hall of Fame announcer Ernie Harwell. That's right. And having him there was just amazing. I, I got to have a phone interview with him before, before the event, and listening to a voice that I'd grown up listening to for yeah. ever was just, I can't believe this is happening. I mean, and he was just an ordinary, regular guy next door, uh, but a marvelous person. He narrated I, Casey at the Bat. He narrated Casey at the Bat, and that was a, uh, that was a fascinating one. Um, we have had, a, have had a lot of great artists over the years. Three Dog Night was a favorite of mine. A couple years ago, we had a Chicago tribute group out of Toronto that was just magnificent. 
Um, a couple years ago, we had uh, boys to men in the audience, yeah. the actual boys to men, and the reaction of the audience, the reaction of the women in the audience. <laughs> I mean, that was just something to watch. Watching mm. the women, watching the show was mm. was amazing. All the all the people, all the you know, the women in their whether they were fourteen or ninety four, swooning mm. uh, for the guys. Um, oh, they're, uh, we had we, that great group. Mariachi Cobre. Yeah, I was just thinking and, about that. And then, well, no, this was quite some time ago. And then, just a couple of years ago, we had Mariachi Vargas. That's right, Vargas. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we made a special attempt at bringing in uh, the Latin American community, the Hispanic community, and that was such a cool experience for me, uh, Joanne, because you know, in the symphony world, we are we are struggling with trying to develop diverse audiences, and it's a very hard thing to do because because the mainstay of our repertoire in the in our performance hall is playing dead white European male composers, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're really working hard on the diversity issue. And I just was so proud of the Grand Rapids Symphony that night that we had Mariachi Vargas with us because there were more Spanish people, Spanish-speaking people in the audience than English. And I just really... I just mm-hmm. felt great. It was just really exciting. That is one of the concerts that I know. I have many friends who are in the Hispanic community and work with the West Michigan Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and stuff, and they, they often talk about how fun that concert was, um, what a delight mm-hmm. it was. They were so thrilled that the symphony um, did it and really reached out. They just felt so connected to the symphony. Yeah, right, and, and mm-hmm. this particular group... Mm-hmm. Truly is one of the greatest mariachi groups in the world. I mean, mariachi is, is Mexican, as New Orleans jazz is to the mm-hmm. United States. And, and they were from the city or the region where it was where it developed. Where it was developed. It was like, again, having a, a, a traditional jazz group from New Orleans. Uh, authentic, authentic, authentic. And uh, uh, they were just phenomenal musicians. Yeah, it was just great. Mm-hmm. So. so. But we've had we've had quite a few uh, groups like that over the years. Uh, occasionally, uh, occasionally they've been uh, uh, the classic rock groups themselves, like the Temptations. Uh, we had America many uh, years we ago. Had America, two thirds of America, and Kansas. Did and we have Kansas? Kansas? Yeah, Kansas. Yeah, Kansas. I remember that. And uh, we nice had Temptations, uh, Fifth Dimension, a number of years ago. And uh, with all of these, they aren't all the originals, but some of the originals. And you know, the authenticity is is undeniable. They're they're the people who uh, who do this. But on the other side of the coin, we've had some phenomenal tribute groups. We had uh, a, a piano guy who did a, a Billy Joel. Oh, uh, yeah. Kavanaugh, Michael Kavanaugh. Oh, yeah. He was he, yeah. he did the role on Broadway, and it was just oh my gosh, this you know. I, I remember sitting there thinking, you know, if, if Billy Joel were sitting here, he would he, he might think that he's better than me. <laughs> or at least I used to be that good. Right. I'm a little older yeah. now. Yeah. I think, though, though, when I was there, Michael Kavanaugh was talking about how he met Billy Joel yeah. and, mm-hmm. and how he complimented him on how well he did on the role and what right. he did and what he could do. And so I think you're actually hit it right on the the nail there but yeah right we had a guy whose name's escaping me right now who uh did did a john denver tribute show and boy his voice sounded almost exactly like john denver it was just fascinating and and with with a show like that especially you know john denver is no longer with us so it's 
if you like the music uh, and you like live performances, you have to go with someone who, who pays homage because the artist is no longer with us. Uh, Michael Jackson would be another one. We had, a, we had a guy who did a great Michael Jackson show uh, a number of years ago. And, um, you, know, on, you know, seriously, the, there have been so many really good ones. Uh, you know, I, I think the, it might be harder to come up with, well, you know, was there any you didn't like? And nothing really comes to mind. I can think of one. <laughs> <laughs> one? Yeah. A one? One. Yeah, so, well, I, I will not name it. I will not name it. <laughs> yeah, so, but it, it was a it was a Beach Boy tribute band, and and the intonation wasn't so great. But mm. there you go. Mm, so. I I won't say which one. All yeah, right. So. But right. so but we've had this classical mystery tour, which is a Beatles tribute band, and mm. we've had them yeah, a number of times. They're fantastic. And we're bringing them back. They're our second concert this uh, this summer. They're on the 18th and nineteenth, and, and so. We're, well, it's interesting how the music of the Beatles has become timeless. You know, we're right in the 50th anniversary of, of Beatle, Beatledom, mm-hmm. and so uh, they're coming well, back. Well, there's that movie, too, called uh, Yesterday that just came out yeah. that I heard is really, really... I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have not seen it yet. Um, I, I just heard it's, it's really good. I mean, everybody I've, I've, I've listened I haven't seen anything from John Serba yet, but most of the people who have seen it said it's excellent movie to go see. It really makes you think, what would have happened if we hadn't had that music? Where would we have gone? Right. Well, the fascinating thing about the Beatles is, is they only were, only were together for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And they started as four guys playing you know, two guitars, bass, and drums. Mm-hmm. And they ended up doing things with the London Symphony. Mm-hmm. And name another artist like that, any, any recording artist that has developed that far. Elton John. Um... He did the Australian orchestra. He had a huge album. Yeah, but but the Beatles did it first. Yeah, the Beatles did it first. There's no argument with you that. You know, they came up with they came up with an idea that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And w- the great thing about doing a Beatles tribute show with Classical Mystery Tour and the Grand Rapids Symphony is 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 two things. You're you're hearing the music the way it sounds on the album. You know, the piccolo trumpets on Penny Lane. And, and, and the violins on uh, Yesterday or Eleanor Rigby. Yeah. It's, it's exactly how it was recorded. And on top of that, none of that was ever played live. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, again, we, we come back to the whole idea of this is a tribute show, but were it not for the tribute show, nobody ever would have heard this music live because the, the original Beatles never did it. Mm-hmm. And, and Jim Owen, the lead singer, uh, he does the John Lennon in Classical Mystery Tour. He, li- he likes to say, I've been a Beatle longer than the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> He's been at it for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess he, ha- he has a certain ownership to this. You know one thing I thought, you guys have never had an Elvis Presley. No. You're right. We have not. I just realized that. Yeah. I was just thinking you guys have never had Elvis Presley. There are certainly enough Elvis impersonators out there. There's some really oh. talented ones. Yeah, yeah you got to get the right one. Well, it also has to be, they have to have a show um, that was meant for symphony orchestra. They have to have the music and the charts, and, and it, the material doesn't always exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joanna, we did uh, inside on one of our Pops concerts, we had a harmonica player do a tribute to Elvis, but we won't go into that right now. That was, <laughs> <laughs> so, hmm. so. That was something. So. 
But you do have, you are bringing some music a little closer to home. I mean, Motown. Motown. Right? We've mm-hmm. got, again, yeah. we've got a Motown tribute yeah. coming for our third concert on the um, 20, 25th and 26th. Right. And, uh, yeah, so all of the great Motown, all the mo- great Motown classics. You know, that is another style of music that has just become almost who we are, mm-hmm. especially especially in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, and Motown, yeah, I've done a number of Motown tributes, uh, orchestral tributes in my career, and it's always a lot of fun. Great dance music. Have you ever gone down to the Motown Museum? Have you ever toured there Not yet. yet. I no. would, I, you get a chance, it's, and I'll be at, Daylight only because it's not in the best part of town yet. There's they're still cleaning up that area, mm-hmm. but uh, go because there are some tricks that they did that I didn't know. Like there's a like they have a hole in the ceiling and they would sing up into the ceiling for the, the echo for the echoes. Yeah. yeah, they'll show you how they did all of yeah. this. It was it's gives you a much more vast appreciation of what they were doing yeah. on such a very limited budget. Right, you know, and it's like, think about it. We all you know, people do sometimes the most amazing thing when they have zero to very little money right um, that's true and, and a couple of years ago uh, we had a trumpeter from Detroit Marcus Belgrave yep. who came and did a Louis Armstrong tribute <gasps> but he back in the day was the house trumpeter for Hitsville USA he he played on a huge number of of Motown's biggest hits in mm-hmm. the studio uh, so the connections are are are, are pretty vast there, and and we've had a number of Motown groups or tribute groups, so it's it's really one of the most popular picnic pops uh, genres that our audiences love year after year after year. So we're we're thrilled to be doing it again. It, could it be that the music, like you said, it, the music is always that music was played live. That music was always you you heard it all the time. I mean, yeah. you could see it. You people would perform it all. The, you know, they would go out and perform. Mm-hmm. They did a lot of work. Is it just because it lends itself so well to live performances? I just think it. I, it's that, and it's also it's the music that you listen to in the car all the time, Joanne. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. That's no, true. It, it, well, not all the time. I, guess. <laughs> I got. I have an eighteen-year-old daughter who loves Taylor Swift. I'll be honest. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, yeah. w- when I can, you know, yeah. and it's it's music that even though my father was more of a Bing Crosby, right. that type of genre, he still listened to Motown because he worked in downtown Detroit, and he actually did, actually did work on his, his Phil USA at one time. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, he was willing to, to listen to that. Well, no Ted Nugent, though. We never were allowed to listen no, to that. No, no. <laughs> well, the, the thing about the Motown music, again, like the Beatles, is they used orchestral instruments. You know, Smokey Robinson's Tears of a Clown has a bassoon, mm. has yeah. a piccolo, yeah. mm. and it's it just lends itself to an orchestral tribute because because if the goal is to play the music the way you know it on recordings and we've got the instruments up there on stage, uh, we can do it. We're not you know not making stuff up to uh, uh, you know we're not trying to put a symphony orchestra behind Ted Nugent. Mm-hmm. For instance, who never did it? Mm-hmm. Uh, we we wouldn't sell any tickets at all. <laughs> oh, I don't know. You you never know these days. You never know. So, and then of course I, I want to include the last concert because the last concert is really exciting. Yes. Yeah, so this is this is a salute to the music from Nashville, mm-hmm. Music City, and what's interesting about this is that these are the the song writers mm-hmm. are coming. Mm-hmm. So if you've heard. Kenny Chesney, the people that write the music for Kenny Chesney will be singing those songs. Or um, 
Kelly Clarkson, Rascal Flatts. Rascal Flatts. So we're getting we're getting the the creators of the music will be presenting their music to us. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. And well, somebody was saying that um, there will be more pickup trucks in the parking lot <laughs> for this picnic pops than uh, maybe we should we should rebrand it to pickup. Pops. Pick up pops. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I don't know. I was actually, I we just were in Nashville. Um, and it's really actually kind of cool because a lot of the songwriters do actually perform. There's a real famous mm -hmm. yeah. um, cafe down there. Was Bluebird. Named, Bluebird, yeah, that they often perform in there. Um, but it's just exciting to see. I think it's exciting because I, I think country music is really kind of crossed over a little bit. Oh, yes, so very much a, so. Kind of a mix. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to bring in, if I was to predict, Maybe a lot of picked up trucks, but a lot of younger people. Because yeah. you've got that generally, like my daughter who's 18, who's very into it, loves her classical music, but still that, that, that country music and that sound that these people are presenting is something that she listens to every day on the radio. Yeah. So right. I'm wondering if you're going to draw a lot younger crowd. We could. And, and the three people we have coming in, uh, um, Brett James, Rivers Rutherford, and... Oh... Drawing a, a blank on drawing a blank on the third person's name, it'll, it'll come to me in a moment. You know, they've written, they together have written like fifteen songs that have hit number one, mm -hmm. and and their number of uh, of top ten, you know, is uh, I don't even remember the number fifty sixty. It's it's mm -hmm. these people have uh, the gift have the gift, and and. You know, they've worked with the recording artists. In many cases, they performed with them. In some cases, they've recorded in the studio. So uh, they're, they're, they're not only going to be playing the songs that they wrote for these people, they're going to be telling stories about them, telling stories about the songs, telling stories about the recording artists. Uh, it, should be, it should be a very fascinating uh, and, and entertaining evening. It's very much a look behind the scenes of, of the, the, the lives and the music and the career of the... Uh, of the famous artist. Mm -hmm. And that's only for one night. That's one, night. one night. That's yeah. a one night August performance. 2nd. August 2nd. And is that, now, as I understand it too, as I remember, that August 2nd performance was always for the... That has changed. That was early on. Early okay. on, that, that was, um, that fourth concert of the summer was to support the Musicians' Pension Fund. That's, that's not, that's just, it's just an extra concert now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. That's great. great. So, yeah. Yeah, so... So anything else, any other little tidbits or memories that anything else you'd like to share about the... Well, I mean, we have to bring up the subject of food mm -hmm. uh. because I always, <laughs> oh, yes. I always like going out and just raiding people's picnic baskets and people understood that. So they start throwing food at me. So that's really great. So I, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And... Um, we have a couple of musicians who do that. They, yeah. Before the concert, they wander through the tables, and, it's just, and they're offered treats. Oh, hey, right. uh, yeah. try this, taste yeah. that, have a sip of this. Mm -hmm. um, they, they've learned, they've yeah. learned the game. <laughs> the, the Picnic Pops has kind of developed its own sort of kind of foodie culture. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. And the other thing that I have to say is that uh, the Picnic Pops is a really intense volunteer sort of thing. So mm. we've got yeah. so many volunteers that help out. Uh, and, you know, from, from getting people down from the parking on a golf cart if they need assistance to, you know, helping them find a place and carting their stuff in, there are just so many volunteers that help out that is just really impressive. It's, it's, it's almost like community music making. 
that regard. I think it's they're some of the nicest volunteers yeah. I've ever met. Oh yes, because it's it's no matter what, no matter how hot it is, how rainy it is, what are, they are so gracious in trying to work with people and trying to understand yeah. the patrons' situation, even though they're not getting paid, they're just there. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it's that's really cool. that's it's just kind of a really cool. I'm I'm. I'm always amazed at how many volunteers you actually get yeah. to come out. For well, they must enjoy it because they keep coming back. Oh, um, yes. We have, we have some regulars. Sometimes we – occasionally we have too many, and we have to say, well, can you come next week? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, we, I mean, we couldn't do it without them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's for sure because, as, as John says, uh, we do have means of helping people haul picnic baskets and uh, people with mobility issues. We, we have golf, cart, golf carts. We'll help deliver them to – to their seat, uh, whether it be uh, a, a chair on the lawn, um, so uh, we're we're doing our darnest to make it as as accessible as possible. It's um, uh, it's important that everybody feels that they belong, that they're welcome, and if if we can't. If you can't feel comfortable at a picnic, you know you can't feel comfortable anywhere, and that's what this is: is a picnic with music. Mm-hmm. Just before we wrap up, any uh, any I know you guys have an upcoming season. Um, I believe, is it is it the ninetieth? It's the ninetieth season. Ninetieth season. season beginning in September. That's right. Beginning yeah. of season. Any any highlights? Anything that we should be aware of? Well, that's and, a whole other podcast, I think. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, then we'll have you come back out and All right. we'll sit down and talk yeah. about the the 90th. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. And that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. So yeah. great. So anything else, guys? No, Great. thanks so much. Thank you so thank much. You. I'd like to thank our guests, Associate Conductor John Verano and Senior Manager of Communications and Media Relations, Jeff Kazmarschek, for being with us today. This has been Locally Entertaining, and I'm your host, Joanne Bailey-Borsma. <laughs>